Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. From NBI Studios, this is Truth and Justice, a crowdsourced investigation in real time. I'm Bob Roth. Becky Friedley and Robert Pape. These two people have been the main characters in this story since we began this journey. A quick glance into Becky's victimology and timeline led us directly to a planned hike that was supposed to occur right around the time of the murders. In our analysis so far, it's really up in the air as to whether the hike actually happened or if it was canceled, like Robert says. Personally, I'm leaning towards it being canceled. While we only have Robert's word to work from, in his interview, he didn't present me any reason to believe that he was lying and on multiple occasions leaked out information that demonstrates that he really has no knowledge of how or why the murders occurred. We're definitely going to circle back to Robert Pape, but for the time being, the scorned ex-boyfriend narrative doesn't seem to hold water. Which means that we need to continue digging into the victimology of not only Becky, but also of John and Vicky. Are there more risk factors that were tossed aside by the original investigators? I believe that there are. This is Season 12, Episode 5, A Broader Look. Texas Ranger James Holland is a legendary interrogator. They call him the serial killer whisperer. You can't hide those indications, and that's why yesterday I knew that he did it. But now, shocking interrogation tapes reveal how the super cop really operates. And that's why they asked me to come in, because I'm special. From Something Else, The Marshall Project, and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Smokescreen. Just say you're sorry. Listen and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You've seen the film. You know the game. Now, Jumanji just got real. Only at Jessington World of Adventures. Featuring Daredevil Dad, Mom on a Mission, and the kids who can't wait to ride the world's first Jumanji roller coaster. An epic adventure awaits. World of Jumanji. Only at Chessington World of Adventures. Book this summer's must-do day out at Chessington.com. I've spent most of this week listening through police interviews, many of which do not have reports attached to them. Without reports, the only way for me to determine who each person being interviewed is was to listen to them. Hours and hours of them. Throughout the process, I was able to find a few needles in this massive haystack of a police file that open up a few cans of worms when it comes to victimology and risk factors. But before we dig into that, I want to share with you this short excerpt from an interview with a man named Randy Paulson. Randy lived in Pinion Pine, sort of between Tim Summerlee and the crime scene. He was there that night, and listen to what he told police. So I look out the window, and I see it like, you turn the video down. It's like in flames, right? So uh, I, I get dressed, and I went over there with my wife, and I met... Artifelli's husband, Tim Summerlee. Right. And I don't know if you talked to him, but yeah. he was there, like, I guess he was one of the first ones there. Right. And, you know, he's my friend. He was telling me, hey, I, I went, I saw it was on fire. I looked around, and in the back, I saw a wheelbarrow that what looked to me, is what he was saying, like a body. Kind of like in this form. Like, was it burned? He said, yeah. 
And I got out of him that it was, I guessed, about 50 feet from the house. So right away I'm thinking, well, that body didn't burn in the house and get there or for whatever reason, that's right. suspicious. I agree. So uh, by that time the fire trucks were there and I don't, and shortly after that some deputies came, came to the And uh, that's pretty much it. And I just told them, hey, you know, they're gonna want to talk to you. Right, right. And because uh, it's gonna be a crime scene. What's particularly relevant here in Randy's interview is that Tim Summerlee told him about the body in the wheelbarrow. And that's important to us because we now know that there are other possible sources for that information to have gotten to Javier and ultimately to Robert Pape. It didn't necessarily have to come from Javi's father. It seems a fair assumption that if Tim told Randy, that he likely told some of the other neighbors. And who knows who else Randy told. The bottom line is that the detail about the body in a wheelbarrow wasn't quite as top secret as the police have made it out to be. In my searches this week, I came across an interview with Tim Rutherford. Tim was John Hayward's boss, so to speak. John was a self-employed contractor, but it seems like he contracted most of his services to Tim and his property management company. I had planned to clip out the relevant portions of this interview, but there's just way too much information and it's all intermingled together. So what you're about to hear next is a 20-minute portion of the interview. And in this 20 minutes, you're going to learn a lot about John and Vicky. A lot more than most people have ever heard, including the jury in this case. Here's Tim's interview. ...are anomalies to general everyday life. We've known him for 10 years. In the last three months, as he started to do things weird, not showing up, money gone missing, asked for advances. I mean, money, drugs, women, those are usually the three things. Yeah, no, or should I say money, drugs, relationships? None of those. Are you aware that they just came into an inheritance? Uh, sort of. 175000 Yeah. And that's one of our concerns. And so I'd like to get some background on that since the family knows them far, probably far less than you do. Um, family Vicky hasn't seen them. come from? Family hasn't seen them since Christmas. Vicky's side. It came from Vicky's side, but I don't know where. Vicky inherited it from somebody or somehow. 175000 The amount is, is correct, I believe, because we heard that a lot of times from John. And they were having trouble getting it, but we kind of heard that they were going to get it like a month ago, wasn't it? I heard that he had recently gotten it. When did this all start? What has come to pass? When did you first hear about it? I heard about probably a year ago. It, whoever died, it was like I would say a year, maybe even a little longer maybe, than that, maybe yeah, a year and possible. a half. And there's, but it wasn't John's family. I know his brother passed away in 2003. Yeah, I know his brother died. I don't know his name, but okay. I remember him telling us about that. But I don't think it was from him. Okay. I think it was Vicky's side. And, and Alyssa would know better than I would. Alyssa's my daughter, by the way. Okay. And John Bard has been here for all the time John Hayward has. And you're Rutherford also? Yeah. Is yeah, it A-L-I-S-A? Okay. Can I just get everyone's birthday so I have Sure. And yours, John? What's Barta, B-A-R-T-A. And Alyssa. Okay. Um, but, no, I would say... Absolutely nothing. He worked for us. He was actually staining the side of my building here. The sun hits the wood, mm -hmm. and he would he came in and said, "Ted, you need to stain that." I said, "Go ahead." So he was staining that, and he actually just finished the staining. Didn't even get the um, the mail slot put back in. That was the only thing he had left to do on it, mm -hmm. and that was right up till the last day. Was he here Friday? Did he come to work Friday? I, I, Devin said he think he saw him on Friday. Wasn't Friday the day Vicky came in? Vicky yes, was it off was. Work. Yep, Vicky did come work through here Friday. Yeah. I think that was Friday. Was that Friday? Yeah. It was Thursday it was or Friday that Friday, Vicky Friday, was in here. Friday. And I was sitting at the desk and Vicky came in and said, uh, Ted, I love your office. We just moved into this in, mm -hmm. at the end of March, 1st of April. And she said, I love it. And I said, well, go tell your honey because he's the one that did it. He did the whole thing. And John, I believe, was in the kitchen at the time, maybe getting a drink or doing something. Out of and Vicki went in yeah. to see him. Now, that was Thursday or Friday. Could you look and see if you had to um, on paychecks when you paid him last? Could you tell if it was Friday? 
I don't know, but Vicky said she was off work that day, so you can probably look at Vicky's work schedule if you really wanted to know. She's like, oh, I got a day off. But there is absolutely I mean, I nothing wrong between them. They were they were very compatible. Um, he recently did work at Angelica's house, my girlfriend, and you know he's the same as he always said. That there's nothing different that I could. No, I no, obviously, I mean, was he a drinker? Nothing. Occasionally, heavy drinker, light drinker, non. I've never seen him take a drink ever. Now, how would we socialize drinking here or hanging out at the barbecues yeah. at your house or something? We don't socialize, so I wouldn't have any idea what he does at home. And when he left here, he would go up that hill, and he was kind of isolated. That was he loved it. So that's up a there. common theme. He would come down the hill and say, "Snowed at my place last night." I mean, just yeah. You know, he loved that place up there. He really did. Mm -hmm. But I can honestly say that I saw zero difference in him. In the last, I mean, he hasn't changed in years, Me neither, I think and certainly nothing in the last few weeks. Yeah. And although uh, Becky uh, wasn't his daughter, he sure loved Becky, um, and uh, she would come in here all the time, and I'd say, "Hey, Becky's here." He said, "Oh God, what's this going to cost me?" But he would say it joking, you know, sure. like my daughter's here, and she was always here, or usually here, to get some money from her. <laughs> But he daughter. thought of her as his daughter. I mean, sure. it was his daughter. Well, for, they've been together for quite some time. Yeah. yeah. What um, what can you tell me about Becky, other than her bubbly personality? Oh, smiling that I saw. Other than that, I you knew her more. One than of the her. happiest gals you'd ever want to meet. She went to camp with us, so I've been involved with the Y for a long time. So she went to camp and the Y, you know. So I'm talking about when she was 12. Right. You know and. She moved away at one point. She moved away. She lived with her dad. When was she that? She was going to go to, well, she graduated high school somewhere not here, which was just like. Not that long ago. No. She's only going to be 19. Right. You know, was, I think it, I think it's in the paper 05. <laughs> so, like, she moved away wherever he lives. And she, well, she was going to some modeling thing, I think, down here. And then she went up to wherever he lives and she finished high school there. But. Apparently that didn't pan out because she came back and she was working. I know she was working at night time, like the graveyard. Well, when you camp. say her dad, do you mean no, John? No, her dad. Or yeah, not okay. John, whoever her dad is. Right. I don't know him. Okay. Yeah, um, we've never met. We've never met. Though. Right. The no, I, I think he actually, she actually finished high school with her mom's previous boyfriend before John. Oh, really? Because he lived like in, uh, uh, I've seen it ten times today, but I can't think of it. Oh. Signal Hill. Well, I don't know. Like I thought she made some money. That it's not though. I, I want to say Signal Hill, but it's. Uh, well, I never. This, this is the first I've ever heard about another boyfriend. I thought it went. From, it was long before. I thought it went from the policeman to John. I didn't right. know there was something in the middle. I think there was, but it was short, no. like a year, maybe or two. I, I don't know. Because her and the policeman have been be oh, separated for quite some time. Yeah, like um, 10 years or something. Yeah, it? or more, if not more. Yeah. They were um, pretty young. She came in one day about, um, I would say, two months ago. Oh, Becky or Becky? Becky. And she said, uh, I said, you look an awful happy. She said, I got a job at um, Yard House. Oh, yeah. I said, you do? Because mm -hmm. she uh, would come in and say, Ted, you can't believe those drunks that come in at night. She worked the mid or 11 till 7 in the morning or something. So, so she got all the guys at Denny's. Right. Yeah. So she, drunk, she got a job. Who didn't get a connection, love connection at the bar. Right. She's now at Denny's. Well, the, right. um, she said she was going to the yard house. And I never, ever asked after that if uh, she did or she worked there. Did you ever hear She was in the running for a couple of different jobs. And she actually got hired at, I, I don't remember if it was Outback or one of those kind of places. And a girl that she knew and they didn't get along from in high school or whatever were both hired. Mm -hmm. And in the process of them not getting along previously, the other girl said something to the manager about her and she said, that's not true. And he went, you know what? I don't need drama. You're both gone. So neither of them got the job. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I just heard that today. So yeah. um, she, there was a couple things. She was going back for interviews on. She'd already been interviewed and was going back for like a final thing. So. Yeah. Um, hey, Jim. Hey, I coming back. Oh, good. I thought that you guys had up there for like a week and a half, two weeks. Maybe. Dave, this is Jim Snellenberger. Hi. Hi, Jim. And, um, and John did um, all the work on Jim's bowling. Oh, okay. Um, so Jim found out yesterday, I guess I told you, wasn't it? Yeah, he found out. It's sad.
and nothing, you didn't have any real direct contact with him. Just met him yeah. a couple times with you. Well, Dave is a homicide detective, and he's interviewing us on whatever we could add to whatever information they have. Did you need us for anything else? No, I was just going to ask her one question about the tax bill. Was the issue. I didn't even look it up yet. No, you okay. need to ask him, though. What about... Um, I already did. He okay. didn't know about it. Okay, because okay. we don't know anything the, about... The pop, 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 pop bill. Yeah. We, we know nothing about the extra charge. Well, either do I. Okay. So, he's going to battle it out with you guys. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Jim. Thank and give you a good reason why, but I can't think of any because he put it in the wrong place, and then he moved it. So, all those things being said, no reason, no indication. I mean, had he talked about what they were planning on doing with the inheritance? Since that He's could be talked a, a couple times about going to Oregon. Yeah, but he's selling here when they got the inheritance about selling here yeah. and moving up north somewhere. Was it Oregon? I think it was Oregon. He got his license here because he said California is the hardest place to get it, mm -hmm. and then moved to Oregon because once you have it, will transfer, right? But he also told me and that he did not want to give up that place up there. He liked it that much. Hmm. He loved he, his place. He really he did. did. Like the seclusion, he really did. But he mentioned moving a couple times that I heard, but that's... So the last time you saw him at work was either Thursday or Friday, and you think it was Friday? I think it was Friday. I, I can tell you when I have to check. Yeah. Yeah. I'm almost positive. Do you want to go? Fri do you you want to go have sure. a look? Yeah, just to be safe. Let's tell him exactly. And I have a definite time. Yeah. Um, could I call him on the weekend, got the, the voicemail, and then... We called him, call him on Monday. We yeah, called him on Monday. I, before I knew this, and still straight to voicemail, and he's very good about calling back if you called him and left a message. Mm -hmm. we, had, we have a mobile home that we need a serial number off of, and he was supposed to get it for us, and he knows where to look. Right. It's on a property that we sold, a, a big acreage, but it's got this stupid damn mobile home on it. And uh, he was um, out, he was going to go and get the serial number. He said, I don't know where to get it. So we were phoning him on Monday to say, John, I need to get that serial number. Right. Getting ready to close escrow. 915, when was that? 915. Thursday? I don't know. Let me look. That's when I wrote the check. But I, I can't. No, Friday. Oh, it is. Friday, September 15th. Yep. I don't know that that's the day Ricky was here, though. I mean, I don't know. Is that the day the check was written or just the day they would date it? Oh no! no. We, wrote the we always date it. So let me ask you this: Can you get online somewhere and see if that check's been cashed? Yes. Sure. Do you know the account number? Um, no, I don't know the account number. Oh, you don't know it? What is it? What account is it? Is it mine? I got it. I can just look online. Sure, especially if it's sometime after Sunday. You sure? Okay. I'm gonna print it out anyway. This doesn't print it out. That's fine. Yeah, no, just uh, he. Can I tell you, he used to bank somewhere else, and he would take our paychecks in, and we we probably pay him. Alyssa would know better, but I would think we probably pay him sixty to seventy thousand a year on all the different. Um, he charges by the hour, or is it by the job? By the hour, okay. always by the hour, um, and. Um, so we paid him a lot of money. So he, we were obviously important to him. Um, he was banking somewhere else. I forget where. And he would take his checks in, and, and he'd say, "Take, could you, you know, do a break it and give me a small one? I'll go cash it." I said, "What do you need cash?" He said, "Because my bank puts a hold." I said, "Oh, for God's sake, John, go down, open a bank account at B of A." Right. So, because that's where we bank, and right. so he did that. He's been with B of A now for. I told them about this. They didn't know about it. And all the tellers in there all know John because he's been going in there for years. You know, at least once a week, sometimes twice a week. Okay. But um, no, he just he he. So you, would you cut him checks individually, or did you pay him every week like a payroll check? We paid him. He would get like four checks because in a week we would have him work on Indio Plaza Center, Indio Industrial Center, Valley Service Center. Uh, Jim Snellenberg and different checks for each job, right? Because so each you building checking your money, right? Would get a, each building would get a different check. Easier for you. Well, okay. it, we have to do it that way because different owners own those buildings, right? So we have to write. That's what I meant. Yes. Yeah, as opposed to you just taking care of it all and then dealing with the owners. Yeah, got you. Yeah. yeah. No. Okay. Well, 
and just a good personality, kind of quiet. I can't even imagine anything. When you say quiet? I just can't. I, I would not know anybody that would not. If he had any bad habits, it was that he smoked. I mean, he smoked a lot. You know, right. what he did at home, we don't know. Right, right, and, and, and unfortunately that's the case with everybody that knows them. Mm -hmm. uh, even yeah, folks were, that potentially fine. know them really well don't know them very well. Yeah, Because sure. yeah. that's the kind of folks they are. They live up there where there's no cell phones. They don't work up there, period. No, nope. cell phone doesn't work. Um, yeah. So yeah, if you're not at home, home you can't get a hold of them. Yeah. So that, you know, there you are. Yeah. If you don't catch them before you leave here on Friday, you won't hear from them until Monday. That's right. Yeah, okay. And you know, he catched it same day. Yeah. Or deposited it or whatever. Oh, it's the same day. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah. can I tell you, it's, it's Dave, right? Yes. Dave, um, if I had to say, if you want to know what his financial condition was like, yeah. looks like, um, he he couldn't get through a weekend very long without his paychecks. Every once in a while, Alyssa would be away on a Friday. I would be away on a Friday, and that's payday. He would be a little panicky. And I said to John, just whatever he gives you, just pay it. Don't question it. Just go ahead and write it because John's almost. It's never that the three of us are away. Right. So he would come in, but he couldn't get through a weekend. And there were a couple of times where I advanced him money. You know, I would say. I had several He would say, Ted, um, could you advance me a thousand bucks or five hundred or whatever? Mm -hmm. Never was it ever even a thousand? I don't think a thousand. I think maybe five hundred. And we didn't care. Five hundred bucks didn't mean anything. And we, he's working on a job out of a building, so we'd pay out of that building and mark it as an advance. Then when he would submit us the final bill, it's deductible. if it was 700 bucks, he only gets two. Sure. Know? So we did that, would you say, five times? Oh, I'd say more than that. Maybe more over I'd the years? 15. But that's over a period of eight or ten years, so. Recently? No. Anything that you can no. think of? No. I haven't done it recently. He hasn't, he hasn't ever. Any idea why? Maybe you got that money. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, any idea why he couldn't get through a weekend without his check? Uh, well, can I tell you? Let me tell you about the difference. Is how long has Vicky been working? I don't know. Vicky well, did no, not work for a, for a long time. She was going she to school, working. remember? She was going to COD. Yeah, but wasn't she working also? Well, whatever it is, I think Vicky got a more permanent job at Robinson May that's mm -hmm. turned into Macy's. Mm -hmm. And awesome. um, so, I mean, I think. Before that, it was just John's income. She and was going to school. She wanted to do something. She said she she changed her mind all the time. First, she wanted to do something <laughs> computery, and she wanted to do, you know, some other random thing, mm -hmm. whatever. But she really was into computers. But anyway, he hasn't asked for money for, I would say, a year and a half, two I, years. No. I so six no, six no stories of uh, she trips. Did he ever go on trips? Vacation? No. They just went a couple. A month or two ago to San Diego for three days or something. That would be three a big days. trip for yeah. them. But they didn't go That's to Europe. That's what I mean. They weren't going to yeah. Laughlin. They weren't gambling yeah. trips involved. No. Oh, Anything that would have somebody looking for you for any reason is what we're going to Okay, We run a pool. We have a pool that we do. We put 100 bucks in every year. Uh-huh. I know. And then you pick all the football games for the whole... For every week you sure. pick all the games. Um, he's been in it forever and he didn't get in it this year. And he just is not... He doesn't like gambling. I mean, really, he's not into it. That big deal. Well, that hundred bucks, he didn't want to put the hundred dollars up, and the son of a bitch, he won it. <laughs> he even told it all to get his money back. He, he says, "I never got an NFL ticket, whatever that football package right. is." He was getting that the last couple of years. He oh yeah, with that this direct year. TV or whatever. Yeah, he did not get that. And this is the first year in probably ten, 10 years he hasn't been in the pool. Yeah, he didn't get in this year. It was very strange. I, I thought it was real. Strange. I thought that was strange too. That he didn't yeah. get the pool. I mean, I don't know what that. Means. He always <laughs> talked football. But he about. just and he didn't get the NFL package. Uh, He's an NFL nut. Yeah. So for him not to get the NFL package, that surprises I, I, me. I was surprised he didn't get the pool because a hundred bucks. I mean, seventy grand a year. Right. Hundred dollars. Which and, and just before that's Jerry Morton's. Go farther yeah. with that. Yeah. Is it about sixty to seventy thousand a year that we would pay him out of all the various? Sales? I don't know, but I can look that up for you if you want. Just so I have a number, yeah. that would be helpful. Well, it doesn't have to be the pain. Well, I can tell you exactly I mean, what it's. If it's forty, it'd be nice if it was forty. Year. If it was one hundred and forty, yeah. that'd be good enough. Just so we have an you idea. Do you want to know last year? Because we'll know be know checking into the year. outflow. Um, you probably want to know this year. This probably year would be easier, and I can just divide. Well, last year we have 1099. Yeah, last just year. Copy for you. But that's well. Yeah, yeah, I don't need copies of anything. You can just tell me. That's fine. Okay. Last year you, you just want look. An email address? Just look and tell me. I have it. Hayward two. Yeah. 
And uh, I just talked to two people today that uh, this one of them just said, I was just trying to reach him. He never, they never knew anything about this. You know, they just didn't read it in the paper. What about his family? I don't know a thing about John's family. Never met any of them. His no. son never came I by. His daughter's never came think by. Alyssa said, Dad, you met the son once. And I said, yeah, I think I did. But it was probably six years ago. I was a young kid. Yeah. He's um, like 19 or something now. I think we've been. met all the... I think we've met all of John's and all of um, Vicky's family over the years. But it was just, hey, Ted, meet so-and-so. And then that would be, never a, would be a 10 seconds. Gotcha. Thing. Okay. So I don't think other than that we know him. And Alyssa... Is, would probably know them a little better. I don't know if she had any more of them at the YMCA. Right. Camp. She might have. Okay. This, um, she was a sexy little thing. His daughter. You know. Do you know that? Have you ever told I, that? I, I, yeah, we've heard that from some folks. Uh, some of the guys. And then I'm pleased. I don't mean that. Bottom. Bottom. I don't no. mean that. Route. You know, she would be large-breasted, uh, cute body, uh, cute attitude, really a fun Very attitude. good personality. Like, I would think there would be a lot of guys that very yeah, interested in Becky. Yeah. Well, yeah, that was the case. There were quite a few people last sure. year looking, looking to date her or whatever. Yeah. But I don't know of any. any John and Vicky. Vicky was always happy. I never saw Yeah, you can see how Becky happy. got it. Vicky yeah. just always laughing. Just yeah. Always had a smile. I never saw Becky unhappy. And John, he didn't see smile much, but he wasn't unhappy. He just wasn't gregarious, you know. Very. Okay. I never heard anything that would make me think that something bad was going to happen to him. No way. Surprisingly, all. We learned a lot about John in this interview. He was a hard worker and quite skilled at his craft. Tim says he'd been working with him for 10 years and considered him his number one contractor. He was a nice guy by all accounts and he was quite reliable. But Tim's interview did raise some questions in regards to victimology and risk factors. We learned that John made between sixty dollars and $70,000 a year with just this contract. Now, depending on what part of the country you live in, that might sound like a lot or a little. But in this case, we know that John and Vicky's cost of living was actually pretty low. Their mortgage was under $100,000. They didn't drive fancy cars. In fact, Becky had to give Vicky a car to drive. Their general living expenses were very low compared to what you might imagine most folks living in Southern California pay. And yet you have John making sixty dollars to $70,000 a year just with this contract. And from interviews with some of the neighbors in Pinion Pines, I've learned that he did quite a bit of other work as well. Plus, Vicky worked. Their household income was certainly above $100,000 a year. And yet, we hear from Becky's friends that they were broke. They never had a lot of money. Vicky couldn't afford to buy a car, so Becky gave her hers. And we heard from Tim that John could hardly make it through the weekend without running out of money. He even on occasion asked for advances on his checks. John also wanted to cash his checks immediately, not deposit them. As far as Tim knows, John wasn't a gambler. So we have to wonder where that money was going. Typically, in situations like this, we're looking in two places for missing money. Gambling or drugs. Unfortunately, we don't have enough information to rule out either possibility. Just because Tim says that he didn't gamble and he didn't participate in the betting pool doesn't necessarily mean that he doesn't. But we also have to consider that John may have had some kind of a drug problem. I've said many times before that when investigating victimology, we should always be looking for a recent change. What change that may have put a particular victim in the crosshairs of a potential offender? In Becky's case, her recent change was that she broke up with her boyfriend two days before the murders. And also, she seemed to start talking to her other boyfriend around that same time. And in John and Vicky's life, according to John, they were either about to or just did come into a very large sum of money. John told everyone that he worked with that he and Vicky were about to come into $175,000. All of his co-workers seemed to know that the money was supposedly coming from Vicky's side, but no one seems to know why. 
You can tell by the detective's reaction that he was aware of the supposed inheritance, but didn't know where it was coming from either, or didn't care to find out. But for me, alarm bells were going off when I heard this, and I immediately jumped down a rabbit hole in the police file trying to find out more. And I was shocked to find that there seems to be little to no follow-up by the police. It's painfully obvious that they never really considered that John or Vicky could have been the actual target of the attack. My search for the source of the $175,000 inheritance led me to an interview with John's ex-wife, recorded just a few days after the murders. In her interview, she fills police in on three areas that she thinks could have contributed to the murders. An ex-boyfriend of Vicky's, an angry landowner, and a bitter ex-husband. We we have a couple of things that okay. the kids thought about. Okay. One is that Vicky had an old boyfriend before she and John moved in together several years ago, but through the years he has still been around and told her he wanted to get back together with her and done things for the kids and they have even lived with him. Okay. And they've given he's given them lots of things, money and that kind of thing. Okay. And I don't know and Becky apparently was even living with him for a while and Tiffany maybe too. Tiffany has actually been good friends with him. I don't know if she'd appreciate us telling her, us, you that but right. about him. But uh, the other thing is the kids remembered that there was, Ron had sold the, the other acreage attached to that area to someone up there. Well, hey, slow down a little bit. Oh, <laughs> the old boyfriend you're talking about, do you know his name? Yeah, we only know his first name as being Chuck. But okay. he would know it. I don't know whether she'd just poo-poo it or not, but he was... Okay. You know, um, the second thing is that there was a guy. There was a guy that Ron sold the other acreage to that was attached to the acreage, the acre, and the house that the house was on. And he had been somewhat angry that they wouldn't sell to the to him. And when? No, but when did that happen? I. It's been. They. Um, I don't know for sure, but it's not been just recent, and I don't know how re- if he continued in the pursuit of that or not. Right. But, and the third thing is, and I don't know if, I, I'm going to have trouble saying this because I, I know how tight you guys are, but Ron and Vicky were bitter enemies. Right. We were aware of that. And, we are aware of that, I should say. And also, and, and I don't want you, please don't repeat this to him that I told you this. I mean, any of this, that we might think that he might do something like this. But there was a cash settlement available apparently from his uh-huh. retirement. Right. And they had made one installment on it, I think probably late last year, and he was fighting another settle, another installment on it and hadn't paid it that we know of. All right. That it said run that, that, run that by me again? I, I didn't, I, I'm not sure I understand what you're saying. Well, Vicki apparently got half of his retirement right. when they divorced. There was a, a settlement, we believe, la, la, last year, the first installment of, on it. Now, this is, obviously I can't, say that this is for sure for true, but this is what they understood from their father. Okay. Is that Ron was, hadn't sent, sent another, he was, another installment was due and he hadn't sent it and he was... Oh, you mean installment of him paying her... Right. The balance. Retirement. We understood that he was trying it. to buy he was out. fighting it in the courts or something. One more time? He moved in fourth. Yeah. Sorry. He was, he was, um... He was fighting. He was fighting in the court, apparently, and it, as I understand it, it might have been a substantial payment. Right. Now, I know I. And I they, know so they the, received one. You're saying, and that's, that's it. As far as we know, that's that's as far as I know. Now, you might be able to show through records that they sure. get more. Sure. He hadn't paid child support for a lot of years to me, and owed quite a bit of money to me. And he had started. He sent a ten thousand dollar payment. I think it was last August or October. And then, since then, I've been getting monthly checks. Okay. They owed me like forty, between forty and fifty thousand dollars. Pardon me? I said yikes. Yeah. Okay. Um, but, but he took care of the, you know, that family over there. Right. And, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't pursue it. That the uh, child support office does have record of everything. Um, so they know what had happened. You know, but. Right. You know, they always say look for the relatives, but I was getting money, so I don't have any motive, and I don't have any. Right. But uh, I, I don't know, Ron and Mickey were really bitter, and she said horrible things about him. I, I don't know whether they're true or not, and I know he's, he's uh, 
co-worker of yours. But well, not anymore. He's not. And I had never really worked with him, so oh. you're not going to hurt my feelings. Okay. Well, I'd, I'd hate for it to get back to that I ever said that. No. We wouldn't share that. he was the man who did it. Well, <laughs> if that's the case, then that might be important information, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. And well, that's, that's not out of the realm of possibilities, so I take everything you tell me with great importance okay. until well, I find you. out otherwise. So um, mm. what, what kind of things are we talking about? Oh, I, oh, you mean, well, they're apparently, and of course this is hearsay, um, and I don't know how much to give it. Uh, well, it's, it's hearsay until you tell me who you, who you heard say it. Pardon me? It's hearsay until you tell me who you heard say it. Oh, well, Vicki said it to, to, to that she, he had been abusive during the marriage. Uh -huh. um, at one point, I, I mean, I heard her talk to him. I can't say that necessarily that it was all him either. She wasn't real nice to him, but that was after the divorce. I know we were, the kids all had dance lessons together, and there had been a... There had been a, uh, a recital at the McCallum Theater, and they passed each other on the street, and Ricky just laid it and lashed into him, you motherfucking asshole, you know, right. thing. And I don't know what it was about, you know, I don't know what it was from or anything. And, of course, she was very bitter because, as I understand it, he had had enough, you know, he was seeing someone when they divorced or uh -huh. before that. So, and again, that may color some of the things she said and, and sure. I don't know. Sure, but. But I do feel that the money thing is probably pretty legitimate, whether, okay. Um, anyway, those were the three things that we thought about. Okay. And. Um, um, when did you get your money from John? Um, I think it was in October. The big check came in uh, October, I believe, and he's been making monthly payments since then. But I hadn't seen any for, well, like I say, it was built up to between forty and fifty thousand. So last year, October. Yes, two thousand five. I'm sorry. Okay. Okay. And he's been paying you how much a month? Uh, three hundred eighty-eight, and he sent three three eighty-eight. Three hundred eighty-eight. Uh huh. The original, but uh, these would all be arrears because all the children are now, Katie turned 18 in March. Right, right. So these would all be arrears. And I'll be right back. Uh -huh. The original payment was 550 a month from, you know, okay. 91. And he paid a few of those and, through you know, through the years, once in a while I'd see something a little bit. But overall, he didn't pay a lot right. for the first year and a half or so. And... Um, and then it was kind of a surprise because I just thought it was wrote it off. I figured if everyone won the lotto, I'd get some money, you know. Right. Um, but then it, I think it was October. He sent a ten thousand dollar check, and now he's been paying three eighty eight every month. Okay. There's a lot to absorb and process here, so let me first restate a little clearer what the first two risk factors identified here are. First, there's apparently an ex boyfriend of Vicky's that has remained a part of Becky and Tiffany's lives throughout the years, who maybe wanted Vicky back. That's really all the information we have about the ex. His name is Chuck, and he's still around, and apparently Vicky dated him sometime between when she divorced Ron and when she started dating John. And from what I've seen so far, the police never followed up on him. Secondly, evidently Ron, Vicky's ex-husband, had sold the surrounding property to someone years ago, and that person was, I guess, angry that Vicky wouldn't sell him the house. And again, no follow-up that I've seen so far on that. And then there's Ron, Vicky's ex-husband and recently retired Riverside County Sheriff's Officer. This is the situation as I understand it. It seems that John and Vicky actually had a decent relationship with John's ex-wife. I say that because she refers to Vicky telling her directly things about her ex, Ron Friedley. While they did seem to get along, John paid very little child support from the time he divorced in 1991 until the year before the murder, 2005. The kids are all adults at the point of this interview, but John still owed close to $50,000 in back child support. Now, when Vicki divorced Ron, she was awarded half of his retirement by the court order. Now, this was back in the 90s, but the way these things work, she wouldn't get the money until he actually retired. Now, Ron did retire from the Sheriff's Department, I believe in 2005, just a year before the murders. According to John's ex, in October of that year, about 11 months before the murders occurred, Ron had made a payment on what he owed Vicki for that retirement. And with some of that money, John paid $10,000 to his ex-wife to make up for some of that back child support. And since then, he had been paying her $388 a month regularly. 
And here's where things get hairy. According to John's ex, Ron did not want to pay Vicky the remainder of what he owed her. She claims that he was fighting it in court. Now, one can only assume that this was the $175,000 that John had told his co-workers about. So I'll go ahead and state the obvious. If someone has to pay you $175,000 if you're alive and $0 if you're dead, it's a pretty fucking big risk factor. I told you from the beginning that this case was incredibly complex, and I hope that at this point, you're starting to understand what I meant. For the Riverside County Sheriff's Office, the case wasn't complex at all. Becky was in the wheelbarrow, so Becky must have been the target. No sense in focusing on all the red flags surrounding John and Vicky, because this case had to be all about Becky. Even at trial, the state had to twist and spin and manipulate in order to make it look like Robert was some sort of scorned ex that had some kind of hidden motive to murder his ex-girlfriend and her whole family. They presented it as though it was the only possible scenario that made sense, and that's the way it's been portrayed in the media up until now. But now we see that there are most definitely other possible reasons why someone might want to attack John and Vicky. And as you're about to hear, even Becky for that matter. Her victimology most definitely does not stop with Robert. As we wrap up our segment on victimology, I'm going to present to you some new information that's never been made public before. I have no idea if this information is legitimate, so take that with a grain of salt, but this is information that the investigating officers were aware of in regards to Becky's risk factors, and they don't seem to have ever looked any further into them. Number one, there's information contained in this file that Becky had recently had an affair with the husband of one of her co-workers at Denny's. Evidently, the co-worker walked in on the two of them together and obviously wasn't thrilled. And that is a risk factor. And then there's number two, and this one's very important. There were rumors that Becky was involved with members of the Southside Indio Gang, a gang known to be extremely violent and heavily rooted in the drugs and guns market in the valley. Now, this information comes from two places. First is a game of telephone where police are interviewing a guy named Dale Turner who lives up in Pinion Pines. I heard, I had heard from a, a kid that came up on the property after the death, so we was up there talking to the family, and some kid came by to leave some flowers that was a friend of Becky's, and he said she was uh, involved with some some drug-dealing gangbangers, and that uh, somebody wouldn't leave her alone. She was always arguing on the phone with somebody. Just leave me alone. I told you to leave me alone. Don't bother me anymore. And the kid who dropped off the flowers, who did he tell this to? All of us. We were all standing there. Okay. Well, that's me and my wife and Jackie. What day was that when he dropped that, off? That was, that, was uh, that week after the murder. The kid that came up to the property to bring the flowers was later identified as Alex Ahumada, an ex-boyfriend of Becky's, someone she dated between Robert and Jacob. Police later go to interview him and his mother and find out that over the summer, Becky had come by their house and her phone kept ringing off the hook. Becky was apparently crying and saying that the callers would not leave her alone. Unfortunately, in that interview, the detective doesn't ask for any more details. But in a follow-up interview with Dale Turner's wife, She tells police that Alex's mom had told her that when Becky was upset at her house, she had shared with her that it was gang members of some kind that wouldn't leave her alone. But like I said, that's a game of telephone. Becky supposedly told Alex's mom, who supposedly told Mrs. Turner, who told police. Which leaves this element in the category of unverified, obviously. But there's another source who provides similar information, which makes me wonder if there's smoke, maybe there's fire. Through another game of telephone, the police land on a man named Scott Myers. Scott was the roommate of Jackie Grosjean, who was the closest neighbor to the Friedley house. Her house was located just to the west of theirs. 
In the weeks following the murder, Scott was around quite a bit helping the family clean up and sort through the remnants of the house. And Scott also spent some time on Yahoo Messenger, the 2006 version of a dating app. Apparently, in the weeks following the murders, he was chatting online with a woman from the Valley whose daughter went to school with Becky. Were you communicating with anybody um, who may know information about what happened? I have talked to some people on the internet, and one girl had told me that her daughter knew of Becky, didn't know Becky, but she said she was involved with some stuff with, with gangs, that she was dating some gang members, and other than that, no, that maybe, and, and I don't want to get involved, and I know how these gangs are around here, and if they find out, I'd probably die, but I mean, I'm, I'm more worried about catching who did it, I don't care who they are, because three people are dead from this, and, and you know, I've heard Southside Indio, she was involved with Southside Indio somehow or some way. You heard that from who? A person on the internet that I've never met, just from talking to her on the internet. Okay. And what did this person say exactly? She said that maybe the cops should go to the high schools and they would find out more from kids that she was involved with, but she said she didn't know her. She never knew Becky, that her daughter knew of Becky but didn't know her. And she had heard something as far as maybe Southside Indio was involved. Why? She didn't say. Did conversation come up? And, I mean, it was just, were you online like MySpace or? No, it was on um, on Yahoo um, that I met this girl. Because I used to, when I was, you know, before I got into rehab, I was on Yahoo and I'd search for girls local and stuff. And then I met her and then I went to rehab. Then I came back and was talking to her. And she said her kid had known of Becky. You know, and, and her ways were not good. She would be always hanging out with gang members and, and stuff like that. Southside Indio gang and, and what's this lady's name? Um, I don't even know. I don't know, Sherry, I think. But I don't. I mean, it's it's like anything else. I don't I don't know that I trust what she's saying about it. Well, how did Becky's name even come up in a conversation that you're having? Because I was living up there next to where it happened. Well, that's kind of what we're getting. Why or how did this conversation come up? I mean, did you, did someone say, do you know Becky, or did you, no, you tell her a story I, I about told, something? Yeah, I told her the story of, of, she said, she had asked one time where I was living, and, I, and at that point I was living up on the mountain, and she said, um, she said, well, my daughter knew of her, and, and she thought that maybe Southside Indio, and then when, when I was trying to get a hold of you before, she was telling me online, you know, that the, the things that I've told you about Southside Indio and that she was involved in gangs and stuff like that, I had asked her again and I told her that I was going to talk to you guys and she said nothing. She stopped. She won't say nothing. I mean, I can get online right now and talk to her and she won't say anything. You know, and I, I think she's, I don't know if she knows more or if she's afraid like anybody would be with a gang, you know, to get involved in that kind of stuff. Well, what exactly did she say when you when she said, "Oh yeah, my daughter was it?" Yeah, her daughter. Her daughter knew Becky. It's her age, and and you know she's maybe seventeen. I don't even know her daughter's real age, but she had said that um, that's basically all that she was involved with again. That maybe they should look into Southside India, and that's what she said. And then I did I, you ask her why are you saying this? Or? Um, I. I think I did, and, and she just she stopped. She she quit talking about it because she's afraid. Like, oh, she brought it up. Right. I mean, I know, and she won't say anything about it anymore. No, I mean, in the same time you had this conversation, I mean, she says, you know, outside India, and then you would think you would ask why you say that, or you would have some response. So, what's her response to that? I think she just quit talking about it. I mean, this was three weeks ago, two weeks ago. Some of what we heard today very well could be nothing more than rumors. We just have no way of knowing one way or the other at this point. But none of these things should be ignored, nor should they have been ignored by the original investigating officers. As this season moves along and we begin to investigate potential suspects, we'll be circling back to all of this. For now, 
I would just ask that you keep an open mind. It seems extremely likely at this point that John, Vicky, and Becky all had some significant risk factors that far outweigh an ex-boyfriend and typical teenage drama. We now have as complete of a picture as we can have regarding victimology. And so it's time to move on to the next step of our investigation, the crime scene. That's next week on Truth and Justice. Truth and Justice is an NBI Studios production and is distributed by Wondery. Edited by Mike Bussing and sound engineered by Shane Yoder. All music for the show was created, composed, and scored by PutThemInASong.com, who also mixed and mastered this episode. All of our fonts across all of our logos and banners were created by Tate Krupa of Red Swan Graphic Design, and you can find more of Tate's work on Etsy. Thank you to Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com for designing, creating, managing, and maintaining her website, TruthAndJusticePod.com where you can view all photos and documents discussed in every episode. And a big thank you to our transcription team, Pamela Westby, Kathy McElhaney, Kay Woodyomnik, Ginger Fiola, Erica Cantor, Danielle Rohr, Jennifer Ford, Courtney Wimberly, and Melissa Cardenas. And as always, thank you to all of you for all of your engagement and support. If you like the show and you'd like to support us, you can do so in several ways. To financially support the show, the best thing you can do is just go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. You'll not only be supporting the show, but you'll get something in return. On Patreon, you can pledge as little as $3 a month, and we have reward levels. For just $5 a month, you get access to ad-free versions of all of our episodes and behind-the-scenes bonus video content every week. Then other reward levels include t-shirts, hats, and even the opportunity to co-host one of our Friday follow-up episodes. Just go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. You can also do us a huge favor by going to iTunes and leaving us a five-star rating and review. And lastly, you can always support us by supporting the brands that sponsor this program. If you have a new case that you'd like us to consider for future seasons, you can submit your cases on our website, truthandjusticepod.com. Just click on the case submission button and fill out the form. And the most important thing that you can do is to engage in our investigations. You can keep in touch with us through our email at theories at truthandjusticepod.com. You can like our Facebook page or join in on the conversation on the Truth and Justice Podcast fans page on Facebook. And for all you tweeters out there, you can connect with us on Twitter at Truth Justice Pod. And I can be found personally on all forms of social media at Bob Ruff Truth. And don't forget that we always have our 24-7 voicemail line open for questions, comments, or tips on our cases. That phone number is 269-224-2833. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. But as for now, I'm signing off. I'm Bob Ruff, and this has been Truth and Justice. Thank you.